0: And can we teach our daughters to change the world for the better? Through conscious parenting choices, we can give our girls the resources to not only take hold of their own futures, but also assist other girls, pulling them upwards and forwards, so that change becomes a chain reaction and a powerful one at that. It may seem counterintuitive. In a world that often tells parents to put their children first by dwarfing their own passions, taking a back seat in their own lives so that their children can move ahead, Our next guest posits that by finding our own joy, we can inspire our girls to discover and live by theirs. By laying down the burdens of our past, turning our challenges into adventures, and our failures into lessons, we can teach our girls many important lessons in their own right. But just as important, we can help our girls to identify their heroes and their mentors, their strengths, and allow our girls to teach us a thing or two each week about who they are and how they see the world. Dr. Janice johnson Dias holds a PhD in sociology from Temple University with a specialization in urban and political sociology. Her funded research focuses on mothers and children and has appeared in top-ranking policy and social science journals. She is a tenured associate professor of sociology at John Jay College of Criminal Justice and president of the Grassroots Community Foundation, a New Jersey-based training institution with a focus on public health and social action that she co-founded in 2011. Dr. Johnson Dias currently lives in West Orange, New Jersey, my hometown, with her husband, Scott Dias, their daughter, Marley, and dog, Philly. She has just published her first book with Ballantine Books at Random House, which is called Parent Like It Matters, How to Raise Joyful, Change-Making Girls. It summarizes her life experiences and offers practical tips of how caregivers can raise children who are devoted to social justice. Welcome, Janice Johnson Dias, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I just really appreciated that intro <laughs> in so many ways. I think I was gonna cry. Oh, your yay! Summary, <laughs> your summary of the book was just so lovely. Thank oh. you. Well,
0: thank you. I I love reading all the books that come around, come across my desk. This one. I thought was really fabulous. I loved the cover jumped out at me, the nature of it about joy and social justice and how we can help our girls to really launch into volunteerism and helping others. But before we jump into all of that, Can you tell us what gets you up in the morning and what got you so interested in raising joyful, change-making girls who are devoted to social justice?
1: Well, I feel like those are great questions. Sometimes what wakes me up is the sound of the dog screaming, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the energy that drives me is really my real commitment um, to just want us to be in a world that allows us to be who we are meant to be, Mm. a world that feels super safe Mm. and good, especially for girls, Mm. because so much of my life is organized by that idea that people end up not feeling good, not feeling safe, and that we actually can make it better. And mm-hmm. if each of us do our part, so that's kind of like my driving mm-hmm. force. And mm-hmm. we don't have to do it in like this boring, stuffy, angry drudgery way, right? <laughs> like I just, I that, that doesn't feel inviting to what no. at all. So I really, I I feel like what we do needs to feel good, and and it needs to be about. Um, enhancing the good in the world.
0: I love that what you're saying about it feeling good because I know obviously, you know, there is a, a theme throughout your book that there needs to be joy here and joy is clearly very important to you. So can you just talk for a minute about why that matters so much to you and how it is different from happiness, which is something that most people would identify as something they want their children to find?
1: Yeah. So that like, that's, so that's really big. So like most people want their kids to like kind of smile, be pleasant, Mm -hmm. engage others. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's good and fine, but those often feels like performances to Mm. me and really super temporary. And I really want people to think about the quiet inside, the peacefulness, Mm. the sustained feeling beyond the moment. So like Right now, we're in a super sucky moment. Yes, we are (laughs) in a
0: super sucky moment. And
1: um, and it's hard to, like, smile all the time Mm. or any of those kinds of things. But what we can do is we can hold close the optimism Mm. and we can hold close the idea that if we do something to really... um, invest in ourselves and invest in the world that that will sustain beyond the super sucky moment and yes. that's what i call joy yes. it's that internal peace mm-hmm. that exists so that means that you can be mad today you can be completely irritated today maybe even tomorrow but inside of you is a foundational contentment mm-hmm. that that lasts and sustains. So I think about joy as sustaining, and I think about happiness as like temporary.
0: You know, I just have a, a question about this because uh, somebody had said to me, you know, because when bad things happen, it's, I mean, this it is a super sucky moment, and you know, people are losing people, people are are dealing with lost work and and financial crisis, just so much frustration. And somebody had said to me, you know, I'm. I'm basically that they're giving up on hope and that they really are just, you know, thinking about embracing surrender, you know, just surrendering to the moment and just letting whatever happened happen. Given what you're just saying about optimism and joy, what would you say about that? Um, how how should we proceed given the circumstance?
1: I think one way to consider perceiving, uh, proceeding is not to give up hope and not to surrender. Mm -hmm. I think there are many moments that I think surrendering is appropriate, Mm -hmm. especially for people who have faith practices for which surrender is important. But I I take a different approach around this idea. Mm -hmm. The idea is that this moment is what it is and we need to have some reconciliation about it. Mm -hmm. But I argue that if we try to do something in this moment that enhances us, Right, personally, Mm -hmm. and it and contributes like Mm -hmm. the two parts of the joy that I'm talking and contributes to making this moment better the action part Mm -hmm. that you won't feel like surrender Mm. in fact you will see that it almost replicates this feeling of hope which will lead to optimism Mm. what happens is like most people don't feel like there's anything they can do they're like there's all this racism there's all this homophobia there's all this ah." Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. that feeling it's heavy it's too heavy right for many people Mm -hmm. i i am suggesting that people take one small little piece Mm -hmm. And try to chip away at it Mm. and the very act of chipping away at it is going to invite optimism in Mm. it's when Mm. you do nothing and you surrender that it's likely that you become overwhelmed by that feeling of Mm. hopelessness Mm. and I want people to push back on that Mm. and I want them to see it as like it's not just doing stuff for others it is what you're getting from doing stuff for others and for being more connected mm, that yes. that's like and that's like a little bit of like it feels it's like um the doctor will say to you um you know i know you're tired but if you exercise <laughs> you'll be less tired and you're like what the hell i'm tired <laughs> i do <don't even
0: laughs> want to exercise i want to go to bed yes
1: but it works that way yeah. like you're tired, It does work that way. Take a few, you know, minutes of yes. walking and you do a little more each day. Mm-hmm. You will all of a sudden get the energy. I'm going to take this in. Like
0: I'm going <laughs> to take this in because, look, I think that everybody who's listening right now is taking that that nugget of information in in different ways, maybe in the way that you just described, maybe in another way where, you know, they're feeling hopeless about their financial situation, maybe, you know, about racism and their incredible frustration around that. Um, Maybe it's just raising their kids during a pandemic when they're always here. always Always. here. Not that that's affecting me at all. No, actually, as I was like scampering around before this interview, looking for my headphones, who stole mommy's headphones, but they are always here. It's a lot of family togetherness. It's a lot of frustration for, you know, many people, these children, I Sometimes They're when you just take a step watching. back, yeah, they need yeah. you and yet, and, and you get it too. Like if you think, you step back and you go, oh my gosh, look what these children have to deal with right now. There's a lot going on and taking in what you're just saying about finding optimism, but just t- chipping away at that one little thing can make a difference. You feel like, okay, I'm like taking half a step in a positive direction and instead of standing in one place, which obviously puts you backwards after, over time, you're, you're doing something to at least maintain or move forward. Um, and that can feel good. So I, I appreciate what you're saying there. Now, in your book, you talk about this piece of joy and you talk about raising joyful change making girls as a. The starting point being really with us as parents and instead of, you know, what we're putting out on them, we're talking about, OK, what are we doing? So what do you mean by this? And, and are there steps we can follow in order to sort of kind of identify this joy in us, how we can talk about it, show it, model it to our children? What, what
1: is that about? Yeah. So much like I'm so glad you asked that because so much of even just like looking at other parenting books, so much of it is like, let me tell you what you should do with your kids, right. as if you're not like a real person in the in the relationship. Well, we're also <laughs>
0: everybody's like, I
1: don't even know anymore. What do right? to do anymore? And the idea that somehow you just exist to be a servant mm-hmm. to your children, taking a like, step back in your own life. So you right. can push like, them forward. No, it's like you matter. Yeah. Like you as a parent. You like,
0: matter in equal measure, right? You if, matter. If
1: not even more, oh, because you should matter more to you than your kids. No it's no offense to kids. No, right? no, no,
0: it's a good point. Who's going to care more than you about you?
1: About you. Mm-hmm. So a part of it is you have to make this investment in mm-hmm. stuff that matters to you. Mm. And one kind of way to do that is actually to become really familiar with what excites you what are you mm. passionate about mm. because you know so much of the way we think about change making the way we think about parenting is again this drudgery right yes. like it's, just, it's like i need you to care about the world the environment is bad racism <laughs> is bad sexism <laughs> is bad i need you to care about it and yes get,
0: <laughs> and get moving on it
1: I get, I get like kids are just like yo I'm in a pandemic. I'm mm-hmm. sitting in this virtual classroom. I hate everybody. Okay. I can't see my friends. Like they're they're exactly. also experiencing it. So for them to see what's possible, the best roadmap mm. is you. Yes. Gotta right? take that in too. Gotta take that in. Peeling <laughs> like, back the band-aid. <laughs> it's just like do you seem like you're joyful mom mm-hmm. or dad mm-hmm. are you doing stuff mm-hmm. that you really want to do right, right. Like, why are you demanding more of me than mm-hmm. of yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right so like those are the things mm-hmm. so I think it really begins with asking yourself a bunch of questions yes. and those questions are super simple yes. like what brings me joy, yeah. right? Like, what am I passionate about? Right. Do that. Do Once that. you have a handle on that, oh. then you do that. Like right. the stuff that brings you joy. And I think you'll quickly learn that um, one of the things that's just like a truth, it's an irritating truth, I admit, uh, especially with my own kid, is mm-hmm. no matter what you say to them, they more model what you do, yes. than what you say. It's and so that, frustrating. Yes, I, truth. Like, I do not like that. No, um,
0: <laughs> no, no, because I don't feel like getting up out of this chair right now because it's a pandemic and I'm tired and blah blah blah. Right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it is it is the modeling, That's true, and then it's the coaching, mm-hmm. and those things have to go hand in hand. Thanks. You have to be truthful to what you want from them. And you're their best guide.
0: So what about the people who are saying right now, and we know that this is the negative voice inside their heads, but what about the people who are like, well, what do you mean? What am I supposed to do? I I can't really do this, that, and the other thing right now. I, what brings me joy is being at a party or doing my work where I'm actually with people. And Talking in front of people, or I like to perform and I want to get on stage, but everything's closed. How do you respond to that?
1: Well, I, I mean, I think yes. First, the first thing you have to do is acknowledge like not being able to do all of those things is super sucky. Yes, like, super I've sucky. Think too many times, what people think they're going to skip to is like, oh my God, whatever solution I may suggest to you is just going to instantly erase mm-hmm. the, the reality. Yes. <laughs> the, the reality is we're in an actual pandemic. Yeah. Um, and that. That condition is an awful condition, mm-hmm. and all of us are in there. Mm-hmm. So, given that we're in there and we don't have a timetable of the end, mm-hmm. right? What can you extract mm. that then still feeds you? Mm. Because you don't want to starve yourself in hopes that some great meal is coming, <laughs> right? Like you just don't want to do that.
0: That's gonna be on a meme. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna I'm putting that on a meme. It'll be
1: shared. <laughs> I'm just like, you're going to wither away. So what are you going to feed yourself Mm -hmm. and your soul in this moment? Mm -hmm. Take what is doable, practical and enriching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you like to perform on a stage and a stage is ideal for you, Mm -hmm. this is not a stage moment. You can't have that. So what else can you do? How can you adapt? That. Right. But at the heart of it, I think that what people sometimes miss is that when I talk to people about joy, the central piece is this connection. Yes. Right. And you can find ways to connect Mm -hmm. the theater allows people to be able to connect and to share emotion and feeling and all the rest of those things how else can you evoke that Mm -hmm. is it to then bring your kids in is it to then share it with family and friends Mm -hmm. or even bigger platforms but do not do the thing that we were just talking about. Like, don't just, don't just starve. Yes. Take in the step. Take,
0: take some step. Half a step. step. Or the step in like, a, almost like a side front step. Be like, all right, yeah. I can't do this. But, but maybe I can take a singing lesson and yes. do, you know, with one person. And maybe it's over Zoom, but at least it's something. Or maybe right. I can perform with family and, you know, my daughter can play the piano or whatever it's you can you can sidestep to get to the front and it might not be a straight line but you're still getting there
1: yeah, and also the idea is that you have to do those two parts. Like you have to do it what you feel is going to bring you something, mm-hmm. enrich you, mm-hmm. and then you then have to engage others so that the connection mm. then becomes this kind of replication. Mm. It just continues you have a supply source of food, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like oh, energy like that's it. gonna come in there. I so like it. I I just want to encourage people that even though we're all hurting, Mm -hmm. like we're all hurting at one level, this is actually, there are many opportunities here, Mm -hmm. small and big ones. You might find that you become an entrepreneur out of whatever Mm -hmm. it is your creative Mm -hmm. outlet is. You might discover new apps that allows you to do things. Mm -hmm. There are things here and Mm -hmm. that's what joy does. Joy pushes you to try to find Mm -hmm. some way Mm -hmm. Some way to keep that feeling, right. that energy, right? right? That 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 good, that feel good that so many of us, you know, like really need.
0: Absolutely. Oh, I think this is so important. And I I, I just like that entire conversation. I think that's something new to breathe in and, and looking for different options that may not have been shown to you before. Maybe a better option. I mean, I certainly have seen people go in a completely different direction now that the pandemic has hit and has been going on for so long where people are like, oh, I'm actually going to pivot and I actually like this better. So, you know, you never know. Maybe it won't be a sidestep. Maybe it'll be a forward step, a forward leap.
1: And I love pivoting. I mean, I talk a lot about the importance of pivoting and the importance of stumble Mm -hmm. because I'm like, if you are stumbling, it actually propels you forward. No, does not. Yes. It might <laughs> it fall on up. your face,
0: but it yeah. does propel you
1: forward. Yes. But the forwardness is just like it it moves you out of inertia and just like the feeling of like, oh my God, I'm in constant, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. That that feeling, that overwhelming feeling that so many of us had, like, come like last June, mm-hmm. which is just like for real though, like we're really inside. Mm-hmm. Um that, is, that moment of grief, I think, is important to acknowledge. And for some people, that that grief is still here. I think acknowledging and recognizing the reality of this moment is really important for you developing a plan mm-hmm. of how you're going to manage yourself and your family forward. Mm-hmm. And, and to not be like, you know, you don't have to have that feeling like, oh, my God, well, it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. It is bad. It's bad. It's (laughs) It's
0: bad. bad. This stinks. I mean, like people, people write to me constantly. Oh, my kid, it's really not working this, you know, online school. I'm like, believe me, like uh, you're one of a million people that are telling me this. And including myself, it's not working. (laughs) No, it's not working. Some kids are surviving it. And they're like basically doing a okay, but not like great but they're like surviving and others are just falling off. Like it's not working at all.
1: Very few people who are thriving. I think a part of it though is that because it's not working, it's more important than ever that everybody starts to think about their own joy and start to think about action steps. So like online school to me in this consistent way is just like a little mini hell and nobody likes it. So that means that when they are from that computer, and you are also not at that computer, that you all have to be thinking about what is enriching to balance that pain. Yes. And that that's the reason why joy is so important. That's the reason why parenting in this moment is so important. Mm-hmm. Because before you could have outsourced that thing that's going to balance school yes. or whatever. Right. right. But now you are, in fact, the source because you yes. always were the source. Like yes. you gave life to them. Da da So you can really do this. I just mm-hmm. I strongly believe in our power to create Mm -hmm. the things that we want to see and to enhance good. Mm -hmm. And I just think what happens is we have set up a framework where we are not told that it's okay to take many steps. Mm-hmm. Everything needs to be some giant leap. Yes. And, uh, you know, that's just antithetical to anything that I think.
0: Right. I- and it's the goal setting, which feels very far, far off. And big. And very big. And then, you know, these little benchmarks you're encouraged to do. Okay, the benchmarks, but that's really just to get to the goal. Where now we're like, no, the goal is just this small benchmark. Yes. <laughs>
1: like. And to be present and joyful Mm -hmm. about like that, this idea of like, I have these massive celebrations for like small things that people think are really irritating. Like if I am able to keep to my workout schedule for like a day, I just feel like everybody should come and give me a great award. Yes. I'm like, look at me. I did that. Yes. Well done. (laughs) Well done. You You go. Yes. Like yay me. Yes. Because I did it because I, it's, we have to find these little gems. Mm, right.
0: You have to in order to move forward. No, you're absolutely right. I know for for us, like my kids, we just moved and uh, during a pandemic because we're so bright. And so who doesn't want to move in the middle of a pandemic? But to a, a place that doesn't typically get so much snow. And of course, up in New Jersey, where we're from, it, you know, it's been it's dumped so on. Gross. And my kids are like, Ugh. Of course, this year it's like snowing and it's so fabulous there. And now you know we're getting nothing but rain and it's been really stinky, another sucky thing. And so we just like in the middle of this week because hey, it's online school, so who cares? We got into the car and we took them to into the mountains and we went snow tubing because why not? You know why not? Because you can. Because that's like the silver lining, right? Like you you can actually go somewhere. Because there's online school, and if you know, if they they have these weird days here where they're like asynchronous, and they, yes, you don't have, have to have actually training. be on, and you can do it later. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what, field trip? Like we're we're gonna go to the snow because you want to go to the snow. We're gonna find snow, and and it was two hours of you know them being able to go down the mountain. I went to my husband went to you know, like, and it did. It brought that sense of joy, and you know, you feel like, am I? doing something wrong by like taking time out of school and having them need to catch up for a day. No, like they were still able to kind of do it, you know, before, after, later on because of the structure of the day. And I'm really glad we did it because what are they going to remember at the end of this year? You know, the school that they, they, that day they missed or, you know, going snow tubing for the day. I think they're going to remember the snow tubing,
1: right? And it matters and it attends to their humanity, Mm -hmm. right? Like so much of what we have organized in this world, particularly in this space is like, forget your humanity, feed the engine feed the whatever is going to make money, this thing, this grade, Mm -hmm. this whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, right, no, I'm sorry. I'm happy to feed it for so many hours a day, but I also need to feed this other part of me. And I want us all to just kind of get on board. And so I just rally a whole bunch of people who have bought into my crazy that Mm -hmm. says, we cannot spend our lives always feeding the outside. Like Mm -hmm. what are we going to do that really nourishes us? Because We want to raise humans. Like we went ahead and we we put so much money and time into them being alive. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Right? And I'm like, what is it that I want on the, I want them, To be full people. Right. Full people. And we do
0: put in so much stake into the academic piece and you know, getting their hair whatever cut or whatever and and (laughs) what clothes they're wearing and and you're like, oh, actually, you know, there's there's these other pieces and you know, if they're missing a day and their, you know, hair is askew and you know, their face is flushed, like that's actually some good stuff right
1: there. It's going to be all right. Yeah. It's really going to be all it's, right. Yeah.
0: Nobody's going to remember. <laughs> I I want to, I want to change direction because I could talk about that all day, but I really, there is a piece of your book that I really wanted to dive into because I think you have so much to say about it. And it, there's, there's a, a big piece of your book where you talk about prejudice and discrimination and racism you talk about your daughter's hair for an example and how peers remarked about her appearance and you say having to come up with daily responses to these statements is a part of the race work and burden that all black children have to do in integrated and white spaces we urged our daughter to be hyper aware of these daily assaults so that she does not allow them to define how she dresses acts or carries herself speaking of internal work so can we talk more about this and what it looks like like how we can teach our girls to speak up for themselves in these moments and what parents really need to know to best help their girls or really any children in these types of situations.
1: Yeah. I'm happy to talk about that, you know, because I, I, that is such a central part of um, my own work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll talk about it a little bit broadly mm-hmm. as it relates to like, you know, just all girls, mm-hmm. right? Like I think, I think sometimes because women and girls are so resilient um that folks forget the daily internal mm-hmm. work that women and girls have to do just to sustain themselves mm-hmm. right and um the construction of school is really like a super curious weird thing Mm -hmm. because schools even though like you have people sitting down which is kind of you know everybody talks about like that's a girl thing because so many people have parents uh, parents of boys are like my son cannot sit still like that oh yeah for sure right girls can sit and they will listen schools still end up catering to the needs of men and boys yes Mm -hmm. and girls of all sorts are stigmatized they Mm -hmm. are judged by what they wear, mm-hmm. the color of their skin, mm-hmm. the games they play, mm-hmm. the questions they ask or don't ask, don't right, sure. the books they like. And so that that's just like that's the context for school. And then you complicate that context with being a black or brown girl. Mm-hmm. And that is incredibly challenging in general even if it was like you know a space where it's only black and brown girls but it gets even more complicated in integrated and white spaces mm-hmm. because so much of the way that we've messed up thinking about things in america is that we assume that only the black and brown kids benefit from being integrated in <laughs> integrated spaces mm-hmm. which is not true mm-hmm. like no. everybody benefits mm-hmm. um, but there are these micro actions mm-hmm. that happen Right. If if your child comes to school and they do not know anything about black and brown people, Mm -hmm. then they have curiosities Mm -hmm. and those curiosities occur or show up in the questions that they ask, the things that they do, people they touch. Right. And a part of the responsibility as a caregiver, regardless, and I mean, caregiver, black, and brown, I mean, caregiver, white and other Mm -hmm. is that children should be taught about who is in their classroom before they get to their classroom. They should have some sense of the world before they enter the classroom. Mm -hmm. And institutions need to also do a great, better, and great job of trying to help students get it, not to erase it. So much of what happens in school is that there's an erasure, right? Like Mm -hmm. teachers are like, oh my God, that weird, awkward thing just happened. Let's move on. Mm Right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or be nice, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Those things are not addressing, they're not enhancing kids' knowing. So, like for my daughter, my daughter really likes her hair mm-hmm. in an afro. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I have to leave to go to work. And her do- her dad does not know how to do her hair. Mm-hmm. And he has he gets the privilege of being at work later than I do. Mm-hmm. And I have to catch a train to New York. So she was just like, you know what? It's easier if I just fluff my hair she out. She
0: adapted <laughs> and moved. You know, she was like, this is good.
1: This, this works. is good. I don't have to fight. Mommy's not on the phone going, Scotty, get the thing and put it in <laughs> right and turn it apart. <laughs> <laughs> she's, so hateful. but she goes like, to school. Know. And, you know, she has white kids in her class. Their hair does not get as big. Right. Right. And so they touch. Because it's not talk.
0: the 80s anymore.
1: It's, it's not the 80s. There's no hairspray. I no. used to love it. Oh, um, <laughs> yes, oh my gosh, that Aquanet. Oh my gosh. What were we, we
0: doing? I don't know.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> and so they're curious and they touch. And what happens is a teacher sees this and the teacher simply wants to say, don't touch.
0: Can't yourself.
1: Right. Right. That's, that's inadequate. Right, like that's that's wholly inadequate, mm-hmm. and the child doesn't know exactly why. Why is this a thing?
0: And they're also just curious too. So you're shutting down the curiosity, and yes. and and of course you, you don't want somebody just touching anybody for. You don't the, want.
1: <laughs> so there's so much there mm-hmm. that is an opportunity to do everything except mm-hmm. some five or six year old. My daughter is now asked. In, without even being questioned, to explain why touching her, invading her space, mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. matters. This history of the fascination related to Black people, mm-hmm. the 13% challenge that they have and we have in the u.s because we're small number relative to whites it's too much burden oh my gosh for a
0: five-year-old too like (laughs) hello exactly i mean like a 50-year-old go ahead and explain all of that please explain all of that and put it in you know easy terms for everybody to understand and still
1: try to be friends with the kid who just touched you right right like all of those things are happening in that space. So what can caregivers do? Yeah. You can start talking about race. You can start mm-hmm. talking about what is in America, who's in our neighborhood, what is America. Mm-hmm. Because trying to pretend that America is a thing it's not mm-hmm. is just really silly. Mm-hmm. And it really puts your children at risk. Mm-hmm. All children mm-hmm. of just being grossly underinformed. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And ended up in hostile relationships with their peers. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for the kid who's more conciliatory than my own kid, right, they might just go along with it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then one day they get super mad. Yes. And then their peer is just like- Wait, what just hey, happened? Exactly.
0: Right, right, like it was fine. It was fine yesterday. And now it's not And me. now it's not fine, or it was fine when she did it, now it's not fine when I do it. It's No hard. idea what's happening, yes. And
1: And the children are being asked to explain racial dynamics, historical conditions when they're just kids, where their teachers, the institutions that they're part of could really do that part. Their parents could really do that part. So if you're a parent and you don't know anything about it, you don't know the history of touching black hair, you don't understand that. What is really wonderful is that we have this thing called Google. (laughs) And
0: uh, we also have you right now. So this is really really nice.
1: Is that we could just learn. And you can learn along with your kid. Mm -hmm. Being an adult and being a parent don't mean you have to have the answer. Right. right,
0: For sure. For sure. And, you know, I know that in, you know, when you were talking about this in your book, and it may have been at a different time, but it was kind of all integrated together. I mean, you were talking about inferiority and and that at five years old, you know, that Marley had gotten a note that said she was ugly and dumb from one yeah. of her peers. And and so this idea of being made to feel inferior because of what you look like, how you present is is a big deal. And and so we do need to have those kind of conversations. So if, a, let's say our child came home and either was in Marley's shoes and, and got that note or we, we know that in the book, the parent did not do a good job in this, okay, I, the, the, the other parent. Well, let's But but, but you are, let's say we, we, she didn't do a bad job, okay? If you were the parent that found out your, your daughter did do this, like that you, that was the one who either delivered the note to Marley or wrote the note to Marley, like what are the conversations that you would want us to have at that moment? What are the questions that we, can, we would need to
1: ask? Yeah, so like you know, um, as a person who wasn't necessarily like a great kid per se, right? Like, mm-hmm. what do you do when you're the parent of the not so great? Yeah, kid? like the
0: not didn't make such a great choice and like made right? somebody feel inferior, which sucks. You and which you don't want to be that parent. That stinks. That position really that,
1: stinks. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, so I think I encourage always is that we need to before scolding. Right, which mm-hmm. I know is a reflexive response. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, right. why are you? Right, I think that caregivers really have to ask kids why they do what they do. Right, right. I think you have to ask. Like, why did you write that note? Mm-hmm. Like, what um, did you mean
0: by that? Like, what? Yeah. What? Why? Why? Why do you feel like she's ugly and dumb? What was yeah. that about? Yeah.
1: And would you have liked that note to be written to you? How yes. might it have made you feel?
0: Or delivered to you by a friend right. of yours? Yeah. Ugh. So
1: I think kids aren't. They're not being walked through because there's this notion in childhood. I see it with like candy and I see it with um, issues of justice, mm-hmm. right? Like with candy, people are just like, let the kid have a candy because they're kids after mm-hmm. all. They're going to outgrow it, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing with issues of justice. People are just like, well, they're just a kid. You know, oh. kids will just they'll just outgrow it. And I I think many of the adult friends that I have is that no one walked them through by the actions they did may have had the consequences that it did mm-hmm. and we have to invite kids to be learners mm-hmm. and then to apologize so it's just like find out from them what sparked it yes what their intention was right and then offer them strategies for how to make the situation better and i think that 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 doesn't feel like a hard lift for caregivers because we're constantly doing it right right We're constantly trying to teach them how to do a thing. Mm -hmm. And I think issues of justice are a thing we really have to have in our toolbox, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we don't have to have the answer. What we have to do is invite the question and then search out the answers together.
0: Yes, and so asking those questions can be very revealing and our kids are well, she took my thing or I didn't like that she had this and I didn't or my friend is paying attention to her and and not to me. And you wind up getting some information out, but you're also able to reflect uh, how do you think that would make you feel if you were in that same position getting that empathy started, and that perspective taking started, and then having them come around and need to do something about it. You can yes. write, uh, you can write a letter apologizing, you can go to them and speak to them directly, like which way is going to be good for you? Because we do need to close the circle. We're not just brushing it under the rug.
1: And, and that is where I see institutional problems. Yes. As much as this book is so much about parents, it's really for also these educators. Which are listening,
0: who are listening. I mean, I love our educators where you, you know, this podcast is often used for teacher training and, and they're learning about all these great things directly from, you know, people like you who are, you know, doing the very, they're very uh, deep slice of the pie. You know, the social justice piece of the pie, the racism piece of the pie, the joy piece of the pie. And we do need to learn about this directly from you
1: yeah because educators saw that it's see the thing that happens with educators because of the so much pressure they're under is that they saw that and they don't know what to do they then they then are retreat to civility right
0: right? we just (laughs) wanted to you and because they have so much on their plate right they can't deal with all the things in a small amount of time, because it's so it feels very large, right? Okay, now you also need to be talking about racism and social justice in your classroom. So if this arises, like here's, you know, you need to be talking about this. But by the way, you also need to teach the test, they need to do math, science, English, you know, and what about this kid over here who's not learning to read? So there's a lot on their plate.
1: It's too much at times. It is. What I am suggesting to educators is the same thing I'm suggesting to caregivers, is that, we have all these things to do with our children for the amount of time that they're under our roof. Mm -hmm. Educators have all these things to do in a finite 50 to, you know, minute to an hour class. Mm -hmm. The question is, issues of race, gender, class, sexuality, are not tangential to why some kids are um, succeeding in school and others are failing. That they, in fact, they're part of this foundationalist. You have to teach a kid how to read. You can use and think about how to use texts that have those issues at bear. You have to also address the fact that the boy just pushed over the chair or the girl just pushed over the boy's chair. You have to do all of those things. So they need to be woven into the fabric of the way we're living mm-hmm. rather than be treated as extraneous. Mm-hmm. And that is what creates the the workload. It's and not
0: it, a like, separate thing. We're not trying not. to say se- now. Now it's time, everybody, to talk about racism. Yes. Right. It, 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 racism
1: this, hour. <laughs>
0: this is racism hour. We do it every Wednesday at two it's, o'clock. It's, OK, it's, so I, I mean, I think that's I really want to just put high beams on that, that we can integrate it in so that. Think about the texts that you're choosing. think about the lessons that you're doing. Think about you know when somebody answers and they're coming from a different perspective, how you can highlight that and how it may be based on their truth and where they're coming from so that we're not just listening for the answer of you know, you know how they interpreted a, a, a book character, but you know what was behind it and why that's important.
1: And don't wait until they're in the fifth or sixth grade. Right. Like that has to happen at the zero. Yes. The books that you're choosing at the bookstore, mm-hmm. what your friends are giving your right. baby, right? Like right. all of, it. All of and it. it. And it's the same thing about this concept of change making and joyfulness being linked. Because if you're doing it every day, it doesn't feel tiresome. Right. Like it's that, that's what I really, I mean, we're parents. And so... Parenting is special. (laughs) And the last thing that we want to do and we want to ask of teachers or even employers is to add another thing.
0: Right. They can't do it. It is already (laughs) too much.
1: No. So if you integrate it, then you're not adding another thing. You're actually lightening that load, right? right? And it's not multitasking, it is integrated, which are two different things. And so I want us to think about the entire process of joy, change-making, issues of equity and justice as woven into our DNA in a way that we just be that way Mm -hmm. versus performing and creating these distinct and disparate spaces that's just too cumbersome
0: and when we're doing this when we're able to integrate these issues then they come out of the shadows i mean you know you do talk about in the book along these same lines but kind of skewed to one side we're talking about the sexualization of girls gender games that people play to reduce girls you know, to what their looks are or attack their abilities. And you say things like um, girls need to be made aware that there is nothing wrong with them. It's the culture that is at fault. So we need to also integrate those those issues that may come up in the classroom or at home. So how would you say we can make our girls more aware of the sexualization and gender? I mean, I think that they do become aware of it, but sometimes it becomes almost like just something that that happens. So why should we accept it um, in any other way? How do we bring it out of the shadows? But we know that sexualization and gender, and then race is also a factor weaved into there. So how are we? How are we going to talk about that? These three things sort of at once, because they often intersect?
1: Yes. So I think most of this stuff sounds like it's, you know, like if we're doing it at home and it's reinforced by the institutions and the educational institutions, there are a couple of things that we can avoid right off the bat. Like, I like to spend a lot of time with um, back to school night. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, in in another time, we just did our first virtual back to school night. Mm -hmm. I listened for the way teachers are talking about their students Mm -hmm. Um, because you know i have watched teachers say to girls you know um you're giving it all away with that outfit oh right and i'm like what the holy
0: Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm.
1: right so there and this is this can be the same gender It can be different genders. So there is a way in which, in the same way I'm talking about race class, this I think is really important that by the time our girls are outside of our house, um, and that could be from their preschool all the way up to, to, to college, is that they need to be made aware that your experiences of gender in the house, right? So if you have two moms, you have two dads, you have a mom and dad, kind of traditional, kind of whatever the case may be, there is a gender in, in society. And oftentimes girls don't get that there's gender in until something happens,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And something happens and they feel wacky about it, but they don't really have all the words about why did the teacher think I needed to pull down my shirt? Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. my shirt was fine. I did a cartwheel and my shirt was up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why is my stomach different from his stomach? Mm-hmm. Right. And they feel it, but they don't know all the words Mm -hmm. to describe it. So a part of this thing that I keep pushing about question is like, ask girls about it and tell them that in our world, as we have it, people have decided some decisions about gender and they're basically wrong. (laughs) No. And they're wrong. Like, I don't think that we should be debating that the construction of gender in our society is wrong. It is wrong, mm-hmm. right? The society privileges people who live in, and present as men over people who live and present as women and girls. Mm-hmm. And we should tell our girls and our boys this upfront mm-hmm. so that they know and say, and have them be aware without being burdened because they will blame themselves. Mm-hmm. This is my concern about not knowing context, is that a girl will blame herself. Oh, it's my fault. I always wear the wrong shirt. Mm-hmm. And that's why my stomach is showing. i got to wear a better shirt. Mom, mm-hmm. could you buy me a different shirt? Right.
0: Sure. Anytime I raise my hand, now I'm i am yes. going to show my stomach. So therefore, I should either A, not raise my hand, yes. or or B, get a different shirt.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, you'll get the right to have a stomach. Like, mm-hmm. you have a stomach. You raise, right? Right. And that is and if you have another boy in the class who his shirt raises mm-hmm. no conversation right at all of
0: course there's no conversation so what if i'm just going to play devil's advocate because you know parents are listening so they yeah. want to know right or educators yeah. okay let's say let's say that there's a girl who wants to to cut her hair short yeah. and uh people are remarking that she'll look like a boy or yes. Conversely, let's say there's a girl who is wearing clothes that like the jeans are 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 cut and uh, hold from the bottom all the way up to the very top. And the parent is concerned about what she is showing and what it says about her. Now, how do you remark about this situation when you know the world is the world and you don't want your child to get hurt.
1: I, I I feel like those are really great. I'm so glad you used those examples. Because one of the things I think caregivers do not understand is why their children want to dress the way they dress. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they're just, I mean, I I say this, and I say this to my daughter all the time. I was like, look, I'm almost a half a century. And I still have um, really strong feelings about decorum. Mm Right. (laughs) Right. I'm, I'm open-minded, but I still have those feelings. Right. I don't want you in certain things. Right. I don't. And I am also clear that while I don't want you in certain things, because I think it enhances the likelihood that somebody's going to say something dumb to you, do something bad to you. Right. I also get that it's not you.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Right. Like, It is not you. You literally, I mean, one of the the harshest sentence I had to say to a caregiver once is, my daughter should be able to walk down the street naked and nobody touch her. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what? And I was like, that's what freedom looks like. Mm -hmm. My, My daughter cannot walk down the street naked and no one touch her. But what it means is that the context that she lives in makes these issues relevant, but they're not in and of themselves relevant. Mm, And mm. children need to know that. And I think vulnerable populations know this well. When we have to demean ourselves to police, we know that this is grossly bad, Mm -hmm. right? But we do it for survival. But we must always bear in mind that it's the structure that calls is the problem, it's not us. Mm -hmm. So your daughter wants to wear this thing and the structure says that they're going to call you a lesbian, they're going to say bad things Mm -hmm. about your short hair, Mm or they're going to call you a slut Mm -hmm. and infer all these bad things, Mm -hmm. then we have to do several things there. One, we need to find out why she wants her hair shorter, mm-hmm. and we need to find out why she wants to wear those clothes. Those are really fundamental questions. Most caregivers cannot answer right off the top. Let's.
0: Right? And if they, if your daughter is able to say, "Well, a long hair is annoying, and it's in my face, and I want to wear those jeans that go that are ripped all the way up to there because I think they look cool."
1: Yeah, you have to really suck that up. <laughs> You have to really, because you saw the other part of the work that you have to do. If you want the world to be safer for your child, you're gonna have to do something to make the world safer for your child, mm-hmm. not just your child. So, that school probably has a dress code, mm-hmm. right? Only dress codes only exist to monitor girls' bodies. They don't exist for any other reason. Mm -hmm. So You need to start working to make sure that the context that you're sending her in increases the likelihood that she's gonna be all right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you want to then, given that your daughter has decided to cut her hair and you know they're gonna try to berate her. Yes, you you know you know they are so you really need to find out what the pta is doing about making sure that you have an inclusive school Mm -hmm. and that there are messages around harassment and bullying at that school you also need to know what is the dress code regarding that Mm -hmm. because the dress code may say right the current dress code may say she cannot wear those pants Mm -hmm. now if your daughter wants to wear those pants, you could debate with her about what looks good and not looks good. Mm -hmm. Waste of your life. You're going (laughs) to waste your whole life. (laughs) But you can instead talk to her about these are the rules as they are. Mm -hmm. And it is important that you follow the rules while also working to break the rules, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Breaking the rules, is not about showing up at school in this outfit. Mm-hmm. If you think that the, the school rules are sexist, then I want you to work with your friends who also agree with you to try to get the rules changed. Mm-hmm. And then you can wear whatever the hell you want.
0: I mean, that's a great message and not just around what she's wearing, about anything, you know, uh-huh. about anything that, that, that has to do with these kinds of pieces of life. I, I, I very important and insightful, you know, I, before we get to the end of this podcast And I could talk to you all day So I'm like trying to just get my questions in But I want to So like we only have like a few minutes But just tell me Because it is a big part of your book That we haven't gotten really into Is talking about that volunteer piece And that charity piece Because for those who are listening right now If they wanted to get their kids involved With volunteering and charity work, and, and, and knowing that gratitude is related to all of this, what would you say would be the steps that reflect your child's joy, and then also enhance their lives?
1: Yeah, I think that if you want your child to volunteer, you must make sure that you actually volunteer. Uh, mm-hmm. that you actually have something that you want to get to. So I see caregivers all the time being like, march into their children's room was like, Give me all the toys and clothes that you're no longer wearing because people need it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, that's so awful. Like, it's such a horrible thing to do to a kid mm-hmm. because you have no idea their sentimental value. You've decided that they've just surplus. Bear in mind that you also bought all those things. Right. Um, you did. And <laughs> yeah. that, that doesn't make them philanthropic. It doesn't feed anything. Right. So I think it's really important that we live a life of gratitude. And I actually um not to be too grim i think it's particularly important in this moment mm-hmm. where half a million of us are not here mm-hmm. is that we really begin each day by honoring the fact that we are here mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when so many people are not here and that we really we 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 really sur- if talk about surrendering we surrender to that feeling that something wonderful has happened to us Mm -hmm. because we're here to listen to this podcast, Mm -hmm. here to engage with our families. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a real blessing. Right. Um, And that feeling extends to connecting with other people. Mm -hmm. So I ask caregivers to say, when you think about the world and all the things that are wrong and you think about yourself and what you're capable of, what you really enjoy, where can you actually give your energy? Mm -hmm. And do that. And before you ask your children to do anything, do that and do it in a way that's not at 6 a.m., you know, on a day that you're hurried, you have a meeting, um, in a way that frustrates you, any of those things, do that. Mm -hmm. And model for them what giving is a part of. And then invite them to participate in your volunteerism while also trying to figure out and help them figure out what they want to contribute to mm-hmm. and go with them on a thing that they actually want to give to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. volunteerism isn't punishment. They're not right. on work release. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And, and some of those kinds of volunteering, some of those ideas that we can bring to a child who may not know what it is that they can do what would that be, you know, if they were like, I really don't know?
1: So I, um, I inside the book, I give um, the entire year, like different things that are happening each mm-hmm. month that caregivers can say, you know, well, here we are. Mm-hmm. We're in October and it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, right? Tell me what you know about breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And you can just talk to your children about it, mm-hmm. right? It's likely if you're in the United States, someone somewhere that you know has had some relationships. So Mm -hmm. how do we feel about doing the walk for breast cancer? Mm -hmm. You have Avon, you have Coleman, Mm -hmm. you have all of these walks. Mm -hmm. And is there anything that you wanna do? Mm -hmm. Ask the question, is there anything that you particularly wanna do around breast cancer? They may say, no, it's not breast cancer. You then ask them about like, you know, you have April, right? It's Minority Health Month, Mm -hmm. it's all kinds of different. So we have all of these months. And ask them about like, what do they find frustrating? Mm in their universe, right? That's their school, their friends, their community, their family. And like as I always encourage, what would you change if you could?
0: Mm, mm, that's a great right? question. Yes.
1: And That question invites them to start to think. They don't have to have the answer in one conversation. These are not one conversation issues, right? Right. So, and but I I say before you start talking to them about it is that you start thinking about it. Right.
0: Beautiful. No, I think that's important. We all need to be thinking about it for ourselves. Then we can talk about it, model it and and help them uh, to know what they want to do. And they know that it becomes part of their life. So I think that's a great idea. Give us your top tip. What do you want people to come away with after listening to this podcast so that they can apply this in their own homes, their schools, their gyms, their after school programs?
1: That feels like a hard question, but I'm going to try to take a stab at it. Yeah. One of the the things that I, I find I hear myself saying all the time, I wrote to my friends yesterday, I was like, what do I say to y'all all the time? Mm-hmm. Um, And I think what I say, particularly around children, is, um, is related to the way I think about the world. So much of us think that things are fixed. Mm-hmm. And what I really enjoy is that, I don't think of things as fixed and I think it really helps us if we adopt the idea that because most of the problems in our world are human made, then we can remake them. Mm. And if we adapt to this idea that we can actually remake stuff, then we get excited about like the pieces that we can remake and make better. Mm. Mm. And that feels like the same thing about ourselves. Mm-hmm. like. We own ourselves, we're in charge of ourselves. And if there are things that we don't enjoy about ourselves and our lives, for the most part, we can actually do something Mm -hmm. about it Mm -hmm. and we can lean into the joy and we can make this world a better place by just doing a little something Mm -hmm. every day Mm -hmm. and starting with the people who we most can influence. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones that we have you know under
0: our right, charge right right, uh, right. So. okay that's really uh, it, it makes it again it's back to that like little half steps or a little shimmy to the side and forward so okay. we can make a little bit of a change what's the resource of the week where can we go to get more information about you and your book and the work you're doing
1: So you can go to Mm grassrootscommunityfoundation.org. We have some initiatives there that I think will be um, something that offers an opportunity for those who are listening if they want to volunteer. We have different initiatives that really could use support. Um, My website um, is thedrjanice.com, and um, that will be up. And ready for folks who want to reach me. I'm also on Instagram at at Dr. Janice Johnson, Um, and so you can find me there. I'm rarely on Twitter, Mm -hmm. though I have a Twitter account Mm -hmm. because I feel like people are very angry there.
0: Um. (laughs) Yeah, I don't engage with those people, but yes, I know what you mean. Yes, and your and your book is Parent Like It Matters, right? My
1: book is Parent Like It Matters: How to Raise Joyful, Change-Making Girls, and you know there are exercises that you can pick up mm-hmm. and just engage and do um, what what strikes you and come back to it and go back and come back um, in ways that makes you Yeah, feel good.
0: Yes, it has all kinds of good stuff in there. It is chock full. And I just want to thank you so very much, Dr. Janice, for your insight and your strategies. I I think that this was such a fruitful conversation about so many great things. And uh, perhaps we may have to have another conversation because there's much to discuss. I just appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so very much. No,
1: thank you. I I really want to take your intro and just like have that precede everything I do.
0: <laughs> I, I'll, I'll just keep interviewing you for all day. Now we're on a different show, but here's Dr. Robin, anyway, doing, exactly. <laughs> doing the intro. Well, here she, she is again. Just so sweet. Uh, it's like no. my favorite. I was like, oh, that sounds oh.
1: good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you so very much. I really enjoyed my time with you.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm so grateful. I really appreciate it. It. <laughs> so very
0: much. Well, thank you. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours. So let's discuss them come up on Facebook, you can go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page or let's talk about it at Dr. or Twitter.com slash Dr. Robin. I'm also on Instagram as well under Dr. Robin Silverman. And I will be going back and forth with Dr. Janice, and we'll be going back and forth talking about all these great things we're discussing today. I'll have memes that I am going to make, putting all kinds of quotes on them. There were so many today that I thought that we discussed and pinpointed. We'll put those on a meme and you can share them with your friends. And if you love this podcast like I did, I, I really hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it. I can't tell you how much this means to me. I got an influx of incredible five-star reviews recently, and I couldn't tell you how appreciative I am, but they make a difference in the exposure that this podcast gets. That way, all the great people... Who I have on the on the podcast also get exposure and the, their concepts are being able to be used. So please, please, please keep those five star reviews coming. I so appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts are up there, and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying. Enjoying the sunny side of life together and please remember even on the days when you fall short you've got this you're here you're getting the information you need I know it's not easy but never forget there's always tomorrow parenting is the ultimate do-over I see you and I'm right there with you perhaps you heard something today and you thought oh I botched this I didn't say that to that parent I did say this to my kid Don't worry about what happened in the past. Let's do something different now. You can apologize. You can shift direction. You can shimmy to the side. You can make it different. I am right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week.